The podcast which you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed by the three assholes recording it are done so solely for comedy purposes. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Whiskey Reel. Four and three and two and one. No reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Your mother sucks big fucking elephant dicks. Got that? Come on now, dog. You know I give you the mad, fat, superfly, stupid, dope, dumbass, retarded, bomb shit props. Take a big step back and literally fuck your own face! Stop. Oh, Jesus. Collaborate. You know, listen. you never know how good Americans have it <laughs> until you're on a balcony sipping whiskey and you look down and the FedEx truck is <laughs> bumping, bumping some fucking ice ice baby uh, on a Friday, ready to get off work. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard a freight truck like UPS <laughs> or anybody like doors open? Yeah. Just flaming fucking vanilla ice. Just head nodding. Just so happy to not be working anymore. <laughs> so good, dude. I like this song, but I want everybody to hear this song. You know, there was that time, right? I mean, I, we grew up in the days of mini trucks. Yeah. With an entire bed full of fucking subs and woofers it, to the point where it moves your hair when you're well, in the cab. I grew up in New Mexico where everybody had a fucking 5.0 because you could get one for nothing. Really? Yeah, they're That's dog weird. shit cars. Well, they're, of course they are. But they were fast. But they still had some sort of, you know, air of yeah. coolness to it for a minute. For a minute. Until Vanilla Ice was driving in his 5.0. <laughs> That's why they did it. <laughs> <laughs> Top down so his hair could blow. Oh, on the A one A Beachfront Avenue. God, so bad. Uh, but, I, I've know. been down the A one A, and I'm like, why am I not in a 5.0? You this should is be ridiculous. Is that a bucket list for you? What are we even doing before you die? Yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> on the A1A. it's probably. Donald and my mom. Yeah, you stick around in Florida long enough. You see everything. You're going to see everything. Yo, man. But yeah, yeah Florida is... Pro, you got to say, horrible state to live in if yeah. you're not a white, rich guy. I saw a video of this office building in Florida on Reddit, and they kept hearing weird sounds over their head. <laughs> You know where this is going. Uh, I know where this is going. But they, <laughs> so they noticed this. Uh, there was like a heater vent, and there was like a tail coming out of it. Perfect. And they said, "Oh well, we should call someone." <laughs> dude, they started pulling down like the drop down ceiling. Yeah. And there is a goddamn monster, like fucking boa constrictor. In oh, the I saw that in the fucking roof. Now there's a bunch. There's what? There's one that's like in fucking Indonesia or something like that. It was kind of a very similar <laughs> experience. Thing. They're like because you can see that tail was like dropped down, and then they hit the ceiling, and then no. the whole roof collapsed. Just burn the, the whole ceiling building colla- down. Yeah, burn it all down. Burn it all down. Just burn it. Start I thought over. you were gonna say the tail was from a possum who was running a really <laughs> high level meth. 
laboratory. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've evolved in Florida. Yes. Where the animals slang some pretty good tweak. They got the stuff. I'm just saying. That state, like I said, probably great to live in because it's not cold. But man, I just, I, 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 my butthole puckers so hard thinking about having to live in that state. There's something about that state that instills fear in me. Yeah. It, no, you got the, swamp rednecks. Yes. Like, as redneck as redneck can get, right, in Florida. Yeah. You got, like, bumbaclot fucking dudes that'll fucking roll deep on you with guns. You've got... Haitian and oh, Cuban ha- guys a lot of Haitian playing lot fucking of, dice. Oh, my God, dude, playing GTA. Yeah. Like, straight up, man. Yeah. They're playing Grand Theft Auto on the streets of Florida. And you then put you, a bunch of communal Jews that just <laughs> for some reason live in these communities. <laughs> and then you got Mar-a-Lago. If you go down to Key West, it's all um, transsexuals and ex-gangsters. That's dope. Like that's the community. And Jimmy Buffett and and well parrot heads, parrot heads. Yeah, of course. Which those are in twenty years? Are there any more parrot heads? How, or they're all yeah, dead. There will be. You think so? Yeah. Ew. Don't you think they're going to pass that along to their progeny? I who don't. are not going to be the brightest. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! So uh. that's going to be passed along to a certain percentage of the population. The Fuddrucker contingency. Oh, of course, <laughs> they really are the best burgers. So stupid, dude. Um, you get the, like the in and out versus five guys arguments, and there's always one asshole. I know. Like, what about Fuddruckers? What about Fuddruckers? <laughs> what about it? What about sir? it? What about Clem? It? <laughs> <laughs> so Florida, Clem. as I said, reminds me of Mar-a-Lago, and Mar-a-Lago oh. reminds me of ex-president, sure, absolute loser Donald Trump, because he's lost it most stuff in his life. And then that rolls me into thinking about future well, president presidents Nikki Haley. Yeah, future so president. Who's Nikki Haley? Not okay. a lot of people know. She was appointed by Trump. She was governor. She yes. She was a governor of She's South Carolina. She's an interesting lady. Um, and she was appointed by Trump during the administration as being our ambassador to the UN. Correct. So. Obviously, the Trump administration felt this was the best representation of America to go to the United Nations, was Nikki Haley. Of course. So she announced, right? We talked about it. She announced her candidacy for president, for Republican. And um, the the funny part being, um, A, she's hyper unqualified, but that never stopped anybody. We just saw what happened in 2016. Sure. But, and quite frankly, there's an argument to be made. Is anybody qualified to be president? I don't really think so. That's like a kind of a job that nobody should want. You should you should be president walking backwards. It's a you giant should, red flag if you want that If job. you want it, what is the old adage? I don't, I, I don't trust people who want power. Yeah. If you're a reluctant leader, if you're put there by people that believe in you. Thrust upon you. Then... I, go for it, kill it. If but you're if, a Teddy Roosevelt, right? But if you're th- if you're thirsty for power, it usually comes with some bad stuff, right? So speaking of that, Nikki Haley announces her run for presidency. Yeah, she's in. Famously said, "I will not 
if if Donald Trump runs, I will not. I will drop. She out. will withdraw. She will withdraw. Um, she will not go primary against Donald Trump. Right, because he's. I mean, who? I mean, bro, he's the guy. Bow we down. Know, we know he's the guy. Bow down to the God King. Yeah. Um, to the Orange God King. He um, doesn't look great lately. But, uh, <laughs> he's losing a lot of weight fast. Yeah. And, and fe- I don't know if he, maybe he's on keto. Amphetamines are amazing. Yeah, could be. They do a lot of weird shit. He's been on Adderall forever. Yeah, since they used to call it just like black, what did they call them? Black beauties? Yeah. Back in like the 70s. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah dude. Yeah. He's been rolling deep. Uh, but that being <laughs> said, she's not qualified. Uh, when asked, why would it we vote for you instead of Donald Trump? What is different? She went on in a five-minute rant to say exactly Donald Trump's policies, except she wanted term limits for Congress, which has been bandied about for 50 years. So yeah. big, big pull on that. Never going to happen. And then during her um, announcement speech of, of running, um, she has been against identity politics saying that over and over again in her past and then commenced to just talk about how she's a minority and a woman, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. But when you're against idpol, when you're against identity politics, that should not be your starting off point for running for president. Yeah, you kind of give up that right to use that. You know what I mean? When, of course. When you, yeah, when you come out so strongly against this stuff. It's Classic, classic repub, dude. Mm-hmm. Classic repub, and obviously none of her constituents or people that follow her are smart enough to ever put two and two together. Right. I'm sorry, but they're they're not smart people. <laughs> well, um, well, as Trump no, famously said, the uneducated are my people. He yeah. that came from his mouth. He told them. He was like, "Look, you're uneducated. I love that about you." Yeah. Right. That's like dating a woman and going, "Dude, you're an idiot." And I couldn't love you more. He's the P.T. Barnum <laughs> of fucking politics. He is. And the fact that they're still scared of him. There's a fucking rube born every day. God knows. You know Mo- what I mean? And usually in Florida. And mostly mostly in Florida. Yeah. Where Rick DeSantis is now um, banning uh, just books, I think, he's in just, general. He's still a guy. How is that guy still a thing? He had the widest margin of victory than I know. any other governor. It's amazing. It's because the people of Florida want what they want, they brother. They want what they want. They want what they want. You know? They want flautas. They got... They want mofongo. Which I... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Zacatecas. Yeah. By the way, those are all delicious. Like. Chicharrones? Yeah. Um, oh, chicharrones. Yeah, fried pig, mm. brother. Um... But anyway, enough. Nikki Haley is running. She'll, 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 um, um, you know, she'll she will demur. demure. Wow. Wow. Nice, brother. Not everybody Jesus. can double up on demure. Yeah. How she, the fuck have we been doing this that long that well, we came up that's with demure why. at the that's exact why. same moment? But she'll pull out. She's good. She's what I like to call the pre-MAGA MAGA. Yeah. She's getting everybody frothy. She's getting everybody foaming in their pants. Before the big boy takes the stage. Yeah. Um, so that ought to be interesting. There'll be a hundred and like sixty years worth of men 
on the stage for the next presidential election. Yeah. Oh, and she also said it's time for new blood, alluding to everybody's old. It's time for young people to get um, positions of power in the government, which I don't, you know, abide by your elders, but this 80-year-long senatorial run that these guys get, it does seem like there should be some degree of term limit. I believe I don't have a problem with that. You I know, just, it just doesn't sound right for somebody to be in that a senator for forty years. Yeah. That's a fucking. That's weird. I mean, how long was Strom Thurmond in there? I mean, isn't he still in there? I, he didn't, <laughs> didn't he? He was at the Battle of Antietam. I, I know. <laughs> Strom Thurmond <laughs> did a lot of wonderful things, uh, didn't he? D- <laughs> namely. <laughs> Really pushing for segregation. Was a big, big fan pre-ACLU, pre-Civil Rights Movement. Big fan of segregation. One of the most vocal leaders of the segregationist. He ran initially as a segregationist. That was his party. Right? Yeah. Just saying. And then he's like, oh, these Republicans sound like we're of like mind. (laughs) He may at one point or another eaten a clan witch. He ran as a wig. <laughs> he ran as a Tory. He wasn't Tory. Uh, yeah, dude, yeah. fuck. Dude. I don't know the I don't distinctions. Know. I don't know. Fuck those people. Uh, but, you know, along with really important stuff like Nikki Haley, Bobby and I were joking like, God, this, you know, it's we're having one of those moments where like, God, politics are just the state of the world in general is is if it wasn't so important, you'd laugh. But instead, you cry if you've listened to the last episode. Um, it politics are really where we're at as a society and humanity is is I I, I it's cartoonish what we're doing. So we were like, yeah. oh, it's so easy. You just get money out of politics. Uh, number one, obviously, that's going to alleviate a tremendous amount of corruption. And bribery, which is literally what's happening when people give money to you, they expect things in return. None of these people get elected in a vacuum. People give them money and expect shit back by virtue of deregulation, usually. But it's not a difficult problem to solve. It's just the fact that nobody wants to solve it because everybody benefits from it. It's pretty simple. That being said, there was a huge train derailment in Ohio. Yeah. Um, what do you know about that? Very little. Okay. I mean, do just you, headlines. Okay. Yeah. Um, a train derailed in Ohio in a place called South Palestine, which yeah, sounds weird. like Palestine. Weird. But let's move past that. So the newly elected senator of Ohio, J.D. Vance, who is famous for being a novelist and has, and has flip-flopped on Trump, um, I've never seen somebody get go from that far left to that far right so quickly when money's involved and power is involved. But he's a newly elected senator of Ohio. He was so mad. So mad. What is Pete Buttigieg doing? We've spent all this money on infrastructure. Number one, Pete Buttigieg is just the Department of Transportation head. Number two, we haven't spent a dime yet on the infrastructure bill because you guys held it up. Got it? Your team said no money to make things better. And number three, Obama put in place, you know, Obama had some policy duds. Don't get me wrong. But one thing he did do right was 
insists that train companies put on specific types of brakes on the trains. They're called like ETC brakes. And 2017, after being lobbied hard by the train, um, you know, conglomeration, the train segment, uh, decided in 2017 to basically kill that. Yeah. Kill that. Yeah. So trains don't have any regulation on the brakes you use. Subsequently, this train, which was carrying fucking noxious, toxic chemicals, crashed, not being retrofitted with ETC brakes. I'm not saying that that was the sole reason for it, but for as much as they talk about caring about everybody and, oh, we just want to protect Americans and patriotism, every single time you turn around, they do something to deregulate to hurt us. Period. You would have thought that there's got to be a district somewhere where they make these fucking breaks, but they're probably made in overseas because it's too expensive to make them here. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, what I mean? but I think there it was, was more regulatory. In, if there was a district in West Virginia where ETC breaks were made, whomever was the senator. Would be lobbying. Would be lobbying and made sure goddamn well every train was going to have those breaks. You're right, except for the fact that they took money. They took PAC money from the train. You know, leaders of all the trains. They took money. I don't know what you'd call them. I don't either. But but (laughs) they had four spots on Monopoly. Yeah. The train company did. 100%. Never forget that. By the There's way, a reason. never buy those fucking spots. I always bought the what, trains. Are you a sucker? I just, I don't know. It was something about, I've always bought that in the utilities. Wow. It was you, always came in handy. Have you ever won a game of Monopoly? I win constantly. <laughs> There's two guys. You. There's two guys in Monopoly. First guy buys everything he lands on. Second guy doesn't buy anything. anything. And you're wondering what his move is. And he usually gets drunk and passes out, and you never finish the game. (laughs) (laughs) That's the other thing. Who's ever finished a game of Monopoly? Nobody ever in the history of ever. When the pain starts to set in, you go to bed. (laughs) You go to bed, dude. There's a point where you look, and you're like, I don't fucking care. No, fuck this. This is stupid. Oh, I recently, no bullshit, me and Rex, one night, we've had this under a cloud of dust. Still wrapped, Durangoopoly. Oh, I've seen it. How did they manage to take a game like Monopoly and make it really, really bad? <laughs> it is horrible. Yeah, everything's janky. What is Park Place in the context of Monopoly? <laughs> I think it was Main Avenue in Durango, Colorado. Main Avenue, yeah, just Main Avenue. Yeah, yeah. They did some shit like that. Okay. They yeah. also said there was like really like nice places back in the day when they made it that aren't even businesses anymore. Oh, sure. and shit. Of course. <laughs> Let's buy the palace. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Uh, but no, Ohio and the right which is Ohio, is going to tell you a bunch of lies about people didn't do their job and why are they spending the money. Point blank. J.D. Vance didn't make a fucking comment until 11 days after the fucking track, after the accident. 11 days. He didn't do a public announcement as a senator of the state. As a governor of the state, who's also a Republican, I don't know the guy's name, he said... uh, his uh, his comment was, yeah, well. Yeah. Oh, you want more to that? Oh, yeah. It was basically, yeah, well. Wow. So well, that's where we are. 
Luckily, you have us to listen to because otherwise your lives would be empty voids. Right. Because look outside. I mean, we live in Durango, so we kind of live in the 1%. We do. We really do. I'm not, I have no misconceptions about we where we are. We breathe different air. Literally. Than you guys breathe. Well, not only people in Durango, but everybody, because we live in Cloud City. Yeah, we do. Why don't, Bobby, for once, why don't you introduce us? For once? I think I've done it before. Eh. Welcome to the Whiskey Reel. Yeah! The Risky of Wills. I can't do it. The Riskiest of Wills. Oh. And the whiskiest of reels. <laughs> You've been doing this for five years. I know. I don't know how to do it. I wanted to see you do it. <laughs> yeah, well, that failed. <laughs> I want to see how much you pay attention. He's usually typing away, you know. Well, no, yeah, no, I'm doing, I'm running this thing. He's DMing, you know. That's true. Ladies am, of the night. I am texting. That's <laughs> true. You, you got are me. You got totally. Me I did. Oh, this is the riskiest, riskiest of wheels, guys. <laughs> Yeah, right across better. from me, my good buddy. And today you are the hammer of destruction because yeah. you're just being a dick. I love it. Why are you being a dick? I had a rough day, Dave. I had a rough day. Well, we'll talk about but that. But I'm in a great mood. The hammer of destruction, Mr. Sir Antonio Branderas, Tony Montanus. It's good to see you, man. Thank you, man. Um, I would have caught you yesterday, but you forgot about a meeting we had. I totally forgot about a yep. meeting. I got blown had. off by Bobbeth. Yep. That's fine. Uh, I was That's fine. doing work. I have nothing to do in my life no, but I'm wait sh- around yeah. at appointments. <laughs> um, sitting across from me, we are in Cloud City, by the way. We, we That's are. why we breathe rarefied air. Rarefied. We are above you, but not disconnected from you. No. Just merely above you. That's all. Don't take it personally. Uh, sitting across from me is his own little hammer of destruction. He's like the crowbar of destruction. He kind of gets his point in there, and then he just fucking wedges it, and just, then the door pops. Just wiggle it and then he, until something happens. And then he clicks his Casio, and he goes, we got 45 seconds, boys. And then he goes in, he just smash and grabs everything, and then dips. Mm-hmm. And then typically he'll kneecap one of his crew just to leave them behind so they take the rap. I know. I'm That's, like Franklin in GTA 5. Yeah. I'll fuck you over. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. No, no, it's serious. Yeah. But he is a sweetheart at the same time. That he's the he's a dichotomy, guys. You can't pin him down. He's like, have you ever tried to nail jello to a wall? Yeah, that's me. It's not good. Never works, but he is a wonderful I'm man. More Jello every day. He's been tra- <laughs> <laughs> joint, spine, brain, all yeah. Jello. Yeah, just Jello. Um, but he's still a lovely man. And for those who know in town, you know him as Bobby Van Noyes. But that's just an alias, right? <laughs> yeah, he is the Bobby Duke. Oh, right. He is. The ruiner of all potential futures for people at times. He's also a big, you know, cuddly teddy bear. You can go give him a hug if you know him. You probably shouldn't hug him if you don't know him. There's one you haven't used in a while that I miss. Which one? You used to call me Hiv Tyler. Oh my God, Hiv! That was a Sean Mo thing. Was Hiv, that Sean Mo? Hiv Tyler. Hiv Tyler. Which we were trying to Fuck get away it. from the STDs. Funny. There was some time where we really 
banged you up with STDs. No, oh, yeah. We're trying to, no, it I was, know. yeah, dude. No. A lot of syphilis and stuff flying around here. Yeah. Yeah. And there was definitely talk of UTIs, which was <laughs> well deserved. He got a UTI. I never got a UTI. He got a UTI. <laughs> I apparently passed one out. Well, I know. gave somebody a UTI. Always a giver. With um, negligent behavior. Always a giver. Always. Never a taker. Always. This is Bobbeth Van Noy's. He is next in line for the family Bitchwater fortune. Yeah. Van Noy's Bitchwater family fortune. You all know about it. Uh, the person who's accepting it now is not dead yet. We're counting the days. Counting the days. We're seeing what happens. But he is also the hammer of love. It's Bobby Van Noy's. Of the Tallahassee Van Noises. Hi. Hey. Everybody. That was our longest introduction ever. That's fine. It was fun. They don't care. Dana's driving around listening to it, just laughing to himself because he knows we're such dickheads. I see Dana every Thursday. The Liquor Fairy? Well, that's not true. I didn't see him yesterday because I didn't go in. But yeah, Yeah. I see him almost every Thursday. He's a gem. He is the sweetest guy. I know. I'm scared. He's he's a penny soaker. (laughs) Dude. He's a panty soaker. <laughs> Not a dropper, but a soaker. Dude, I figured out, yeah, like there's a young lady that works at one of the bars in town. Hey, oh, don't say it out loud because Dana will just kind of. No, I know, you know, he will demure. He will and, demure. Yeah, she she was like, I got to get back to work because Dana's coming in today to drop off liquor. Oh. And I was like, yeah, tell me more about Dana. Look at his and calves. She's like, oh, she's like, that guy is so hot. Crazy, right? Yeah, he is just like got this like I think he like just this, has a glow. Stepdad vibe to him. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Abusive stepdad vibe I'm really looking for. Uh he's a wonderful man. Dana, no, we love you. Kelly, I'm a horrible friend, but I love you. You yes. know I love you. We can okay, stop we it. Okay. Um everybody else, suck it, nerds. We so, are here, and Bobby brought something in that is mysterious. I know. It is mysterious. This was a gift. This is, um, I have a new, <laughs> this will come to no shock to anybody. <laughs> I have a new lady friend in my life. <laughs> does she know? And um, <laughs> she, wrote, she does. Wow. Actually. Yeah. Hey, and, does she listen um, to the program? She does. Can we give her an alias? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, let me think on that. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely come up with okay. this for her. Yeah. Because we're not going to say her real name. Because <laughs> she's going to get tired of me. Well, I that. have my Rex. Yeah. Even though get, everybody knows who We she need is. to come up with a Rex. All right. Um, she brought me this bottle of whiskey, and she was very keen on us talking about it on the podcast. Okay. This is very on brand for us. We do quite a bit of Colorado whiskeys. Yeah. Um, we thought we ran out. I thought so, too. Because we have done a lot of whiskey. And this is a, a distillery I was not familiar with whatsoever. It's yeah. called Ironton. Ironton. So which Iron Ton. Yeah, I believe it's a ta- it's like a town in the Midwest, but which I thought it was originally, and then I looked at the label. Hey, stupid ass. It says Colorado Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Yeah. And it's a Denver product. Yeah. It's yeah. distilled. It's it's produced in Denver. We, we looked it up. The distillery is 
gorgeous. Yeah, they're in that rhino section of, I know a lot of people out there know, know Denver. They're in that rhino section, kind of hipstery yeah, yeah. section. They've got an amazing property there with um, a bar and grill and gardens. It's, it, I mean, I've not been there, but it looks fucking tight as shit. And I'll tell you what, these guys do, they make everything. Absinthe. Everything. They make coffee liqueurs. They make barrel-aged gin, which... The, Bring it. I love a good barrel age. I'm not a fan. Oh. But that's fine. Yeah, but you're wrong. So I I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see I don't think they do a rum. They you they did do a rum. Do, do yeah, they do you a read, rum? Yeah. The problem is you ran off so many different skews. No, my brain that you forgot. Yeah. No. I mean yeah. it's crazy. They do a lot of really cool spirits. This is their flagship product. Right. This is their Colorado straight bourbon whiskey. Uh it's made from blue corn. It's red, white, and blue. It's red, white, and blue. That's they their do all thing. the corns. All the yeah. corns. Um, we no, they do red wheat. Yes, blue corn. Yep, and then they do barley. Barley, right? And then they also do uh, the other thing that I'm forgetting about right now. Right, right. Yeah. That that thing. Yeah, you know, rye. The other thing. That so goes it's into a four grain. It's it a four grain. Four grain bourbon. Right. Corn forward. As yeah, we, but less than I thought. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I'm I'm under this impression just having, you know, worked in kitchens and cooked for years and been around different shit for years. I was under the impression that all things being equal, whether you get like a a, a mottled corn, like where it has a bunch of colors, whether you get a yellow corn or a blue corn, my impression initially is it's all the same game but the color. Um, but right. I will tell you, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like the blue corn has a little bit inherent less sugar. Yes, in it, because that that sugar that sugar corn sweetness, which is pretty predominant when you do regular American yellow corn, it feels like it's a lot more. And this doesn't, even though you do get corn flavor. You don't get as much corn sweetness and the and the thicky mouth. Yeah, the viscosity. The viscosity. Like, yeah, yeah that word. that yeah. kind of that cloying candy bar feel to it. Yeah, that corn can do. Didn't really happen no. with this. It 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 like like you said it. You said it best. You said this is everything but the barrel, right? Yeah, you don't get a lot of nutmeg nope. and you know vanillins and caramel. There, it is there a tiny bit. So we know this is a bourbon. So we know this spent a couple of years in barrel. Why? Right. Why are we not picking up on the oak? I could definitely answer that because it's all about the barrels they use and the char they use it at. Yep. I'm assuming that they're getting used barrels. Yep. And I say that because nobody in the fucking world uses new barrels for bourbon. It would be like an unleashed lion of barrel. You couldn't contain it. You couldn't keep a bourbon in a new barrel for two years. You'd have to start it for six months, move it for another year. You would have to play with it because you would absorb so much of that barrel. However, the one thing that I did get, because you were totally right when you said no barrel, all grain, it's one of the grainier bourbons we've had in a while here. It's very chewy. You You can taste the wheat. You can taste the corn. You can taste the rye a little bit. The barley, much less so. Yeah. I would liked a little bit more malted barley in it. Yep. I think it would have given it a little bit more of a cleaner dynamic. But 
The one thing I tasted in this, which I don't taste very often, which is interesting, because it's usually, you know, put your nose in Buffalo Trace, a Kentucky bourbon. It's candy bars, right? Candy which isn't a bad bars. thing. But it's a lot of vanilla. It's a lot of caramel. On this, I got all the pyrene, which is the greenness of the barrel. So imagine if you're, if you will, I know this is really kind of esoteric, but if you were to tear a tiny little twig off a tree that's still alive like a green tree and like chew on it that bitterness is that green what we say it's green that pyrazine and it's called a pyrene because i'm thinking of pyrex because i cook crack um the (laughs) the greenness of well we're old and befuddled so we mix up our words sometimes um the the greenness of this comes through in the in the medium back attack. I yeah. mean, a finish of it. It ends with an elevated greenness and lifts out with the rye. So it's anything but a candy bar. No. Right. So what what would you do with this? Because we we dabbled a little bit talking. What 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 do you think this whiskey can become? I think because it has, and I want to be really clear. I think this is a really nice bourbon. It's very sippable. I don't know what I would do to mix this. It has half the flavor profile of a typical bourbon. Interesting. It doesn't have the spicy nature that makes a Manhattan so fascinating. Mm. Because when you mix a a barrel-aged whiskey in a Manhattan, it mixes with your vermouth, with the herbal, the botanical part of the vermouth, Mm -hmm. and it creates a profile. Sure. I don't know what this would make as far as a profile because it is not quite a complete bourbon to me. I'm okay. not saying it's a bad bourbon. No. This is I mean, I'm sipping it on ice. And, and we're diluting it because it's eighty six. Yeah. You know, it's forty three percent. It's fine. I now just, I, <laughs> let's talk about price. What we could find, because it took find, a long time to find the price for this. I literally had to go to the shop now section of their website. Right. And you can order this product from Ironton for $65 a bottle, which I would consider high for what I'm what <clears throat> yeah. what is in my glass, I don't necessarily think is worth $65. We we are beset uh, with a tremendous amount of local bourbon and bourbon in general. There's thirty thousand bourbon producers in the world, you know, like it's almost impossible. If somebody looks you in the eye and says, I've tasted every... Bur-, they're lying to you. No. Whatever yeah, they say the rest of that sentence, well, unless they said, I've tasted every bourbon from Cortez, that could be true. Yeah. But if they said they've tasted every bourbon from Colorado, they'd be lying. They'd be lying. Because there's a lot of hyper-local and like hyper, hyper-local bourbons that never get out of the distillery, that they don't sell them to anybody. They have no distribution. So unless you've gone to that distillery and had their shit, you haven't tasted every bourbon. So with that in mind, um, we've tasted a lot of bourbon, a lot of local bourbon, a lot of hyper-local bourbon. Uh, We have some of our favorite bourbon in this state, 80 Laws, which... You ask me and Bobby on any given other day, yeah. might say it's our favorite style. It's my favorite Colorado rye, has been for Easy. several years. But even their four grain, even their um, kind of boutique barrel aids, like Sauterne barreled, rum barreled, I've not had a bad product from Laws. So I always kind of exalt them. 
and put them at the upper echelon. Yeah, that I, think I think Colorado, they're the class of Colorado distillers. Don't you? For whiskeys. Right, for whiskeys. For whiskeys. And there's, trust me, I mean, you've got like Telluride and there's 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 guys out there that are winning a lot of medals, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just think it's 65. If this was 45, 48. Smash. It's a buy. Yeah. I just think when you start getting into that kind of rarefied air that we are in currently. Yeah. yeah. 65, I can do a lot of damage with 65. You can buy the AD Laws four grain for that price. And I think you're going to be happier. And you're going to be happier. It's a a more rounded product. Or you can spend 20 bucks less and buy a Colorado bourbon, like the restructured Stranahan's. Yeah. Which, I mean, old Stranahan's was great. Then there was Next Evolution Stranahan's, which was literally dog shit in a dumpster. And then they fixed it. And now it's like legit. Tin Cup. Your favorite. Did re, but they reformulated. <laughs> no, they like, did. They did. That's the whole purpose. It's like you're you're a chef making a dish. You're not going to cook it the same for twenty years. You're gonna you're gonna play with it. You want it to yeah. grow and. Um, you know. There's some. I mean, we're going long, but like no. there's some stuff on in from Colorado bourbon standpoint, like Peach Street. Um, Peach Street's five years. They're five years. The Colorado fucking Street. banger, banger, and it's ten bucks less than this. Ten bucks less than this bottle. Exactly. So. Anyway, and that's a five year. And this isn't saying it's not a buy. It's not a buy at the price. It doesn't diminish what this is. No, it's a good whiskey. The problem is, if you're gonna spend, if you're gonna charge sixty five bucks for a whiskey these days, you better fucking bring it. Don't be average. I'm gonna dump this in some Sprite Zero later. And dude, just smash it. Killing just it, dude. Smash it, dude. I'm gonna drink some, some FIFA in some Verners. Oh. oh. <laughs> Some diet Verners. Some diet Verners. <laughs> it's killing it. I can't wait. Um, anywho, can't wait. enjoy. And thank your lady friend for purchasing this. No, first. and she's great. We'll I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to shit on it too hard. No, it's not that. It is I what mean, it is. She has. She's not a big whiskey drinker. From great. what I'm gathering. So it's probably all shit for her. Yeah, but she loves the show. Weirdly, so. <laughs> Go no. figure. She actually sent us. Um, we're not at the call to action moment, but she sent us a text message. Uh-huh. But it was specifically for Judgment Day, so I'll talk about that next week on Great. Judgment Day. But Do it. She that really liked said. the episode that I did with our good friend, Blaine Bailey. Blaine. Who we're going to bring on uh, the Whiskey Reel shortly. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and, and I know fine. you like Blaine. So Blaine's I, great. I thought that'd be great. He's at least wants to come on and talk in the weeds. And he's do, a uh, he's a wonderful young man. Yes, he is. And we're going to have a. It's not a sponsorship, right? We don't do sponsors, obviously, because no one wants us. But we're uh, we want to do a partnership with in the weeds. Sure, we. I think the melding of those two things is really really special. Yeah, we are hospitality guys at heart yep and blaine and in the weeds co.org those guys are doing yeoman's work for frontline workers in this community and helping people make it through their days and i think it's a really which can cool be hard thing 
And but good. Yeah, so something to look forward to. Yeah. So we're going to be we, in the weeds podcast. We can be altruistic as well. So you know what else we fucking do? We talk movies. We do talk movies, God, and we usually do, we do it so much. And sometimes we just do it on the fly. Um, Bobby and I usually reconvene and text during the day and just say, "Hey, blah blah blah." Um, he was like, "I got something fun to talk about." It was like, "Cool." Went in, saw old Sloshy Lobato over at the deli. Right. And uh, he's a fine young man. And is is he? I don't know. And uh, Bobby came up with a good one. What did you What did you come up with this week? Because I thought it was pretty fun. So I was sitting thinking about film, and as I do most days of my life, I remember when I was a young man living in New Mexico. I was probably like nine years old. Okay. And my brother gave me this book. And it was called Cult Film. And it was just a, you know, it was an inch and a half thick, you know, fucking tall. Like encyclopedia. Yeah, that, sort that kind of, of format. Right, right, right. But it was about cult movies. And I remember, like, that was my intro. I mean, I obviously, as a young man, you watch movies and you've seen, you know, all the shit that everybody else watches, Back to the Future, or whatever the fuck you Faces of Death. Yeah. What, yeah, obviously. Right. Obviously. Obviously. Over and over again. But, like, <laughs> I just remembered, I was like, dude, you know, one thing we've never actually discussed is what the fuck does that even mean? What is a cult movie? What is a cult movie? movie? What is it's a cult classic? Cult classic. But yeah, tomato, tomato. But yeah, what is what constitutes a cult classic? So that's a great place to jump off, I okay. think, is what the hell is a cult classic? And my biggest problem with that, because Bobby, you know, he knew what the subject is, so we begun a list of movies which obviously that's kind of what we do we have a jumping off point and i was reading through some of the movies and i'm like well in my mind i'm like what constitutes a cult classic is a cult classic a movie that initially gets no eyeballs on it it's it dies in a theater it goes direct to video Etc. Etc. It's not a big deal when it comes out, and then over the years, a small fervent fan base spreads the love to the rest of us. Is a cult classic something that, to this day, still isn't considered a quote unquote popular film? But for pe- people that are cinephiles, they know it. Like yeah. if you ask another movie nerd about it, they'll be like, "Fuck, are you kidding me?" Yeah. Yeah. But most normies wouldn't know the films. Does that make it a cult classic? Because there are some movies you add on your list that all the normies know about it too. Right. So is it how it begins, how it ends, or how it gets there? I I think it's the journey. I think for something to be a cult movie, it's just something that no one has ever seen, but it builds a following, right? Like you get a fervent group of assholes right. that just fall in love with a property. Right. And I was actually thinking about this while we were heading over like from, the Broncos. from our conversation. Uh, much like the Broncos. Right. Um, there was a TV show in like 2002 called Firefly, which I would constitute as a cult classic. That is a cult classic. Right. And then they finally, at long last, in like 2006... Um, put out a movie called Serenity, which was like supposed to be the culmination of all that cult following. Right. And, and I love the movie. I've seen it, but I still think nobody's ever seen any of that shit. But, and I see, and that's the thing. When, it, when you say something like cult classic, I think about what is a cult? 
right? I take it literal. What is a cult? Yeah. A cult is a group of people that all have their eyes on the prize by virtue of um, some sort of idol, philosophy, sure. or person. And it's typically small. It's typically do or die. Except for the Catholics. Um, or the Mormons. Great example of a cult. <laughs> um, it, there's some bigger... I was there, watching some... There are bigger cults. I was watching some Christopher Hitchens today, so I'm right in line with oh, what wow. that means right now. Um, I get in my little weird... Yeah, you do. Alan Watt one day, then Christopher Hitchens. Like it just that. gets great. Um, but I love the way he slams religion. It makes me so happy inside. But... You think about what a cult is, and it's people that, regardless of what they're told about what they believe in, always believe. Just believe. They believe. MAGA. It's a cult. It's a cult. 100%. Let's not Absolutely. Absolutely. CrossFit. Is a cult. It's a cult. 100%. Let's just be honest. Vegans. Vegans. <laughs> That's a cult. <laughs> people who wear chacos. Cult. Cult. Um, but... In a, Snowboarders. In a, a fucking cult. 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 <laughs> so, my, in my mind, I was like, well, a cult movie for me is something that isn't super well known. But then we're so fucking old. These movies that super weren't well known 30 years ago, now... Everybody fucking knows about him. Um, I look on your list right now, and I'll point out a couple that okay, bring fit it up. the bill of... They I were, will either agree with you or okay. dispute they, your... They were cult classics, in my opinion, Okay, and now okay. have become so ubiquitous. I don't know if they're culty anymore. I think they are... They the, lose that distinction. They are the standard. Okay. Not the exception. Okay. 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 They're, not, they're the rule, not the exception. I would say Rocky Horror. Okay. Okay. Was an Which incredible cult classic at the time. Might actually be considered the first. Thereabouts. Thereabouts. Right. One of the very, very first cult classic movement films. Sure. Of all time. Without being hyper dorky and talking about like Metropolis or like movies that don't even really matter in that context. Right? Yeah, I think I have a couple of movies on this list that predate okay. that. I, I know I do. So, but Night of the Living Dead. Cult classic. But is it a cult classic? Everybody agrees that it was the literal first zombie movie ever made. It well, Modern. You know what I'm going to say. I know. Well, we can get it, into hype like... Yeah, yeah. Night of the Living Dead is a cult classic for me because it, it, it created a genre. We had had zombies in movies before, but it was always like the Not voodoo, the same way. Not the same way. Or they were just like slave zombies. 100%. That, these were zombies that were hell-bent on just walking and autonomous around and destroying and, shit. Right. Yeah. We um, never had that prior to Romero's film. But is it a cult classic? I think so. What happens when everybody's part of the cult? Is it a cult? I, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I think and it is. I'm okay with that. For me, premise. it is. Be, I, I'm being devil's advocate with the with the premise. Night of the Living Dead for me is a film that created a genre that is now obviously we're watching. Like the biggest show on television right now is um, the Last of Last of Us, which is a direct descendant. By the way, we'll talk about that later. But it's if you haven't watched it yet. 
Bro. I will tell you, it's one of the. It, this reminds me of like Walking Dead season one, where we are setting new ground for a lot of different yeah. reasons. But anyway, and if you bring it up on the internet, some cocksucker is going to tell you that it's not a zombie show; they're infected. And if you ever meet that guy, punch him directly in his balls. That's cool. So they're all so, zombie. So movies. twenty-eight days later wasn't zombie either. Okay, of course Great. it wasn't, right? No, people make that okay. argument, and you I'm know like, what? dude, suck my why dick. don't you just suck? Yeah, thank you. Just suck my dick. Suck my dick. Yeah. You're fucking wrong. Please. No They're teeth. zombie movies. No teeth. But they all came from Night of the Living Dead. Right. And also, I need, I think this is part of the reason that I hold this up on such a high pedestal. It is one of the most powerful racial statements in the history of fucking film. This movie is now public domain. You can watch it on anything. I guarantee you. Nothing if you're Dorn before that. Anywhere be close to our age. You had never seen a black protagonist no. that took over a situation and nobody even could beef with him that much because he fucking handled shit. He handled the candle. Ben, that character of Ben in the original Night of the Living Dead was one of the most strong, capable, yeah. fucking had his shit together fucking moments in time. He was and, the hero. And dude, this was in the middle of the civil rights movement exactly. in the United States and of America. After that came Sidney Poitier yeah. in oh, doing... Yeah. Yeah, like this there predated was, all of that. This shit. predated all of that, which made it even more important, but just as a cult classic, it was at the time um, and has now, again, become everlasting, ubiquitous um, movie that everybody knows about. And I don't bring that up for political purposes. I bring that up for cultural purposes. Because at the time, reason. it made it even bigger of an outlier. Exactly. It wasn't just the zombies. The reason this movie caught on with everybody, even though it took years for it right, to actually 100%. become a whole thing was basically because no one had ever seen this before. Right. We're watching this character, right. uh, 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 this 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 black protagonist fucking take over a situation. It had never been done before. And in the last five minutes, gets shot, lynched, yep. put on meat hooks, yep. and just thrown into another pile of bodies. Yeah, it was great. It was... It was very prescient. It was very unbelievably sim- prescient. It was very. It was. It was an allegory. I mean, it really fucking was. Yeah. But that being said, we could talk all day about Romero's classic. Uh, there were other things on your list that I thought were very, very interesting. Okay. Um, you have what I would consider a true cult classic, which is like Big Trouble in Little China. That is a- where to this day. People don't know about this movie. But to our generation, this was like goddamn fucking Top Gun. This so, was important. I will lump this movie in with another movie on my list. Just because it's Russell? D- Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, okay. I One, lump it in they are narratively constructed together. They have okay. the same writer. Okay. So that actually, I didn't know that, and that makes sense. W.D. Richter wrote... Um, and directed Buckaroo Banzai and also wrote the screenplay with John Carpenter for Big Trouble in Little China. The initial concept was going to be, goddamn, how long? 35 years ago? Yeah. Oh, no. 35. No, 38? 38 years yeah. ago? Yeah. They were going to create a cinematic universe. universe. 
Right. They created Buckaroo Banzai, and they created Big Trip. By the way, it's the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai over the eighth I, dimension. Yeah, oh, we God. know. It's we just, just call it Buckaroo Banzai. Ridiculous fucking. It's stupid title. as hell, and I love it. But they wanted to create a shared universe where I didn't know that in the next movie, Jack Burton, Jack Burton, were was going to meet up with Buckaroo Banzai, and they were going to fight against um, the fucking World Crime League. Pork Chop Express, you know, yeah, the Pork Chop Express, that whole fucking thing. That now they went on to do like comic books, and that's Great. why this to me. I'm oh, glad you pointed this out. This is why these are cult classics. It that, spawned a whole nother genre. Okay, of fucking shit. This I don't know. I'm going to go far reaching on this. One of yeah. my favorite movies the last couple of years was Everything All You Know Everywhere mm. All at Once. Kind of is like a thirty-year waiting of Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, it is. I there are, <laughs> I, and that sounds ridiculous to say out but, loud because no, how right. beautifully um, cognitive it was like cognizant of itself, and so was Big Trouble. Like that movie, everywhere all the, uh, everywhere all the time was all it was cognizant. It knew itself, and so did. Big Trouble in Little China. It was a dumb movie with Kung Fu in it, but it also was like otherworldly shit going on and race relations. And it, you know, it was a love story and it was, it was a lot going on for a dumb little film. But yeah. man, it really, I, it makes sense that you say that now. I didn't know that about Buckaroo Bonsai. So that makes sense. Um, that what I would consider a cult classic because even people our age don't know about it. Don't know about it. Um, you brought up. Uh, okay, these are the ones that I have a little bit of trouble with. Okay, Brazil, That's nominated a- for Academy Awards the year it came out, but nobody saw that movie. That I would mean, be my argument. Is like nobody saw. It that was movie. one of those Oscar movies that nobody saw. But we passed it around from friend to friend, like those of us that were cinephiles. Yeah, would be like, dude. You have to fucking watch Brazil. You have to watch Brazil. Brazil was kind of on the level of Barton Fink. Sure. For me. Sure. Where it was like, I think I was too young to understand the con- the the context and the subtext of it. I'll give you this. Um, this is a Terry Gilliam film, Brazil, by the way. If you guys haven't seen Brazil, Jesus Christ. It's fun. Still fucking holds up. Gilliam's really, an, really... An, an, an insane person. Terry Gilliam has a style, the likes of which does not translate to a lot of people because you, he his movies don't look like other people's movies. He's the kinder English David Lynch. He has his... <laughs> yeah, he has his own eye. He does. And you had another movie on here that was a Gilliam movie that I would definitely, definitely, definitely put in a cult classic. Time Bandits. Time Bandits, which was one of my most... It was my one of my most beloved movies as a kid. This was... Yeah. Never Ending Story Can Suck My Dick. Time Bandits Time is so much fucking is, better. Has Sean Connery has fucking oh uh, what's his name John Cleese has yeah, oh, yeah. John Cleese as Robin Hood in one of the funniest fucking scenes I've ever might seen be one of the funniest because he was bad Robin Hood which is amazing <laughs> um, jolly good <laughs> um, Time Bandits for me is a cult classic it's not very PC although I know it should be because the, mean, it centers around the protagonists are a band of I think like nine uh, little people little people and they steal the power to 
transport through time and space from the the evil one um which yeah. which uh, it's hard to explain like if you've ever watched baron munchausen if you've ever watched you know time bandits if you ever watched fisher king fisher king yeah gilliam is off his fucking meds always has been in a most beautiful way but he's and if you guys a, don't know who terry gilliam is he's a a charter 12 member monkeys of, uh charter member of monty python Yes, and he's the guy that you actually never really saw that you, much. You don't see him. He would barely be, at all. He would play bit parts, but he was the he was kind of the the creative brain behind yeah. a lot of what and that all the was. goofy kind of stop motion animation that was all Gilliam. That was yeah. all Terry Gilliam. That's what he did, and then he became a film. Then Time Bandits was his first feature. Yeah, but he gets very cerebral. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, he's a pretty smart guy. So you brought up some other stuff i know i i want to we can sit and talk about all these long time and i'm trying to drive the train forward um uh it, we'll get this out of the way there's a lot of korean japanese uh cinema that has been very important oh, i'm yeah. a big so fan many. so many um i can bring up cult classics from another um kind of genre um but um <laughs> ichi the killer yes um which if you're a fan of I always fuck his name up. Taiki. Taika what? Taika. Taiki. God. Takeshi Meek. Me, Mike. Right? It's Meek. Okay. I, I fuck that name Meek. up every time. Brilliant filmmaker. Uh, probably, and I think Ichi was the first film that brought him to our... That was his yeah. fucking... That know, was his Reservoir that Dogs. That was his, his Reservoir Dogs. In, absolutely. And actually, as far as that comparison is concerned, probably the... Um, that is the Japanese version of Quentin Tarantino in, 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 with extra gore and craziness. And fucked up shit. Ichi the Killer is a spectacle. There's no way to explain it. I've never been able to explain it. Nope. It's still considered one of the most graphic kind of gut-wrenching movies ever made, but definitely a cult classic. This isn't something cinephiles know it, normies don't. Never a better example than Ichi. Um... We brought up it's 100%. hard to, um some um you know it's funny we're talking about filmmakers ultimately what we're talking about is um there's a certain style of filmmaker that creates these films and right. you're talking about evolving past the status of what is a cult classic yeah so let's what does that talk mean? about we're talking about Takeshi Meek. We're talking about John Carpenter. We're talking about... We're talking uh, about the Coen brothers. Coen brothers. Um, I have... Kevin Smith is on my list, oddly enough. Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> the Room. That's a huge cult classic. Um, I mean, it's a steaming But then these guys move horror, on into yeah. bigger and bigger projects and become different things, Some right? do, so, but not... Here's a big one. They don't lose themselves. You're going to love this because I think you're as big a fan as I, but I think we have differences here. What? Sam Raimi is Evil one Dead. of the all-time great cult directors. And horror specifically, let's horror be specifically. honest. I mean, Spider-Man was before fine. Spider-Man, but... Before Alice in Wonderland, right. before all that shit. There was horror. There that was, was his the, meat and potatoes. The Evil Dead. Yes, and we were talking about Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2, and you brought up uh, Halloween, which now seems silly to call it a cult classic, but you go back to Halloween 1, and even though it had 
success for the filmmaker because he spent 14 cents on the movie. I think he it was made, 100 grand, maybe. He made millions off of it. So the return of the ROI on that film was through the charts. That being said... To the best of my knowledge, for 40 years, it was the most successful... Most profitable, profitable movie. Most profitable independent Which is different. film ever. Blair Witch took its. I think Blair Witch took its it like yeah. yeah crown, and then uh, Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. I think took that. But that being said, Evil Dead and Bobby put down Evil Dead One and Two, and my argument was the same argument he made up against Halloween. Now Halloween One will always be looked at as the progenitor, almost perfect in it what it was doing halloween 2 made a lot more money in the box office based on hollywood one but was a clearly inferior film so we go to evil dead my opinion is evil dead 2 got got to ride the coattails of evil dead one i'm not saying it's the same as halloween 2 and it's ridiculous badness <laughs> i'm just saying that evil dead one to me you put it a good way evil dead two was evil dead one through a different lens yes right i just like the lens of evil dead one better i thought evil dead two evil dead one was scary to me with the silliness of some moments we didn't know he was being silly at the time no evil dead two there was a we lot knew. more tongue in cheek. We knew. Didn't make it worse. It just made it less impactful for me. Okay. Because I was that's fair. Twelve years old watching the first one. I was, you know, whatever, fourteen, fifteen years old watching the second one. It's kind of I knew what was coming and I knew what to expect. So the impact wasn't as great sure. as Evil Dead One. That was my only beef. And, but they're and both cult classics. They're. I think right. I, mean, I, I, I think, think so. Cult classics, I mean... I don't know if genre-defining is part of a cult classic, but this is genre-defining. probably 70 to 80% of our listenership has probably not seen Evil Dead 2, which is like... Which is a travesty. A travesty. Yeah. And even less of them have seen the original Evil Dead. Which is silly, because it still holds up. As bad as it looks like a, a bad soap opera from the 80s, it's still fucking good, dude. Bruce yeah. Bruce Campbell's going to forever be underrated as an actor for me. So there's another director very much in the same vein we should touch on. As Raimi? I did not put in on this list, but that's Peter Jackson. Early Peter. Pre-Lord of the Rings. Pre-Lord of the Rings, Peter yeah. Jackson was Meet the Feebles. Yep. And fucking, well, Brain Dead. Brain Dead, which was... Uh, but, well... I don't know. It was fine. It was pretty fucking good, man. It was fine. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, yeah. it was Dead Alive. It wasn't Dead Alive was fantastic. That's the same movie. Well, <laughs> but what I'm saying is this. I get what you're saying. These are two again, two filmmakers that started off doing these fucking graphic graphic dog shit like fucking, pulpy fucking bullshit God damn they're so they're fun, fun they're fucking fun dude. they're so fucking fun dead alive if you haven't, haven't seen dead alive is stupid that guy just light up all these zombies with a lawnmower <laughs> it's stupid it is one of the greatest fucking things it is fucking see. stupid and, and I now love it. like now he's gonna be regarded as like this huge filmmaker yeah, but it all started because of that cult of personality that he that created. he curated. Yeah, yeah, going from Dead Alive, Beat the Feebles into Dead Alive, and then um, into like Raw Heavenly Head Rex. Creatures, 
Um, Wasn't Rawhead Rex? That's uh, Clyde Barker. Clyde Barker. Okay, I thought that Jackson was Ooh. part of that. Oh, see, that's another one. I thought Jackson was part of that. We never Who, even Barker? talked about it. Clyde Barker. Yeah, but he wasn't a filmmaker. Clyde Barker, he directed Hellraiser. I know, but dude, listen, I've read everything Clyde Barker's ever written. Huge fan. He took the torch that Stephen King passed and Clyde Barker and was he, awesome. And he wrapped um, it up in chains and leather. <laughs> he might have had some proclivities. Yes, he did. Um, still does. That being said, sure. let's bounce, because we're, we're, we're getting a little long, but there's a lot of mentions here. Yeah, we're good. Bobby did With Nail and I, which we've talked about more than three or four yeah, times. Yeah, we've, we've covered. That is English. <laughs> on top of English. <laughs> yeah. um, it is up its own ass, and it could not be better. We uh, Bobby wrote down freaks. So you had questions about Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap, when it first came out, as far as I remember, because I was literally alive, which is super sad. Um, Spinal Tap, Rob Reiner. Uh, it had at the time we called him Lenny of Lenny yeah. and Squicky. Yeah, Michael McKean. Michael McKean, and had um, uh, Christopher uh, Guest. Christopher Guest was Harry. Um, Harry um, what was his name? Oh, you know what I'm talking it about. It escapes me. Anyway, yeah. there was a lot of was Catherine O'Hara in that? Yeah. Okay. We it was from that tree. Okay, everybody knows Christopher Guest now because Best in Show and um, Waiting for Guffman, Best Waiting in for Show, Guffman, Mighty Wind, Mighty Wind. Yeah. Uh, that genre and even leading into Shit's Creek. Let's be honest. Yeah, that kind but of Spinal vibe Tap created that. It created Spinal Tap was a mockumentary, and I don't know if there was a mockumentary before that. Had never been done, and was so well done about a band, a, a, a heavy metal band, a British, a British heavy, heavy metal, metal band, band which even though nobody important. was British, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and the drummer dies after every performance. It was awesome. <laughs> so, what made this awesome was we didn't never heard of a mockumentary before, so everybody thought it was a real band, and some. Subsequently, they became a real band that then thusly toured and recorded an album. Like, it was life imitating art in the truest sense. The art came first and the life came second. And it was a majesty to watch. That being said, my problem with uh, Spinal Tapping, a quote-unquote cult classic, is it was never culty. It felt like as soon as that was released, the people that knew, knew. Yeah. I don't know what their box office was, but it definitely wasn't as bad as some of the other movies we've talked about. No. That got pub. It got pub because it was it was just something so no, fresh. It was so new. It was so new. So new. And dude, it, it's got to be said, Rob Reiner might be the most underrated American filmmaker of all time. God damn. Open up his IMDb. Yeah. And no, go you, down the you're list. like, oh, he's Meathead from fucking... Dude. Like All in you, the family. When you read what he's directed, the guy's you're just like, done. Oh, yeah. I've okay. seen all these fucking you mean, movies. You mean They're the, amazing. You mean Princess the Bride. You mean the highest grossing movies of every fucking year that he released a movie. And when we yeah. were kids, I mean, dude, Prin- a long Princess ki- Bride and fucking dude. Stand by Me. What was Are you it? Me? Sally. Oh, when fucking, Harry met when Sally. Harry met Sally. Hundred percent. That was um, was a the decade. Tom Cruise, a few good men. Few good men. You know what I mean? Fuck I'm, out of here. Dude, we could go on and on. Anyway. About Rob Ryan. But, but very, very that being said, um, I have to bring up. Okay, we got, what, three more? Let's go three more. I will bring up Alex Cox, 
who provided for me as a young man, Repo Man and Sid and Nancy, which created a genre of punk rock dramas. And I'm, I don't mean punk rock in the sense that like Sid and Nancy's about a punk rocker. It was more of a biopic. The filmmaking right? is punk rock. How he and I would how he does it. I'm going to agree with you on on, on only. And you're a SoCal guy, so you should really appreciate Repo Man. Repo Man for me was way more important than Sid and Nancy. See, Sid and Nancy to me, and by the way, if Gary Oldman isn't considered one of the top twenty Dude. actors of all time, you can suck my dick. I still think it's um, his best performance. Just it. The problem with Gary Oldman is he keeps acting. And that apparently is, goes against you. Um, but if he died at an early rate between fucking, uh, you know, the guy's made amazing work. Um, professional. Suck my dick. Uh, that being said, he was so good as as Sid. Um, it overran the movie for it. But, a, 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 but it was a biopic. However, Repo Man was a Whoa. venture into insanity. Dude. And it it was back behind this anarchistic punk rock feel to it. The music was punk rock. Harry Dean Stanton was punk rock. As punk rock as Harry Dean Stanton can be. Harry Dean Stanton was so phenomenal in this movie. Best thing that Emilio Estevez has ever done in his life. And he would say that. And actually, as we're defining cult classics, this might be the biggest one. Dude. Because I guarantee you, totally. No one has seen this movie yet. No. We've seen it. Dude, there were aliens involved. In a trunk of a car. There were guys <laughs> re- repossessing cars, and it was the main theme of the movie. And it was so punk rock, literally and figuratively. <laughs> like yes. It was about punk rock kids repossessing cars with punk rock music, and then aliens got involved. You want to figure out the rest? Go watch Repo Man. It's so good, but it is. It still holds up. And Harry Dean Stanton gives a performance of his lifetime <laughs> as being the mentor of Emilio Estevez. And it was. Uh, I God, I love that movie so much. I'm it so glad so you wrote good. it down. Um, what no, are? The, yeah, I had to touch on that. What are some other ones that you think are worthy of speaking? I would love to hear your opinion on one because you what? brought this up. I had brought up uh, Big Lebowski as a cult film, mm. and you kind of talked me out of it a little bit, yeah, and I no. agree with you. No. I Anytime think- I can go into Hot Topic and buy a full-size cardboard sure. cutout of the main character, it's not a cult classic anymore. I will say this. It has a, it created a cult. To a degree, yes. Sure. In the beginning, yes. I think it's gone so ass over tits. At this point, yeah. that movie, everybody knows the rug ties to it's, ties the room together. It's almost to the point of being a cliche now. It's the whole movie's a cliche, yeah. and that's not their. And fault. by the way, it's not one of their best movies by so any stretch. This is one of their best movies, and I want to hear you talk about it. Old Country, Miller's Crossing. Um, Old Country was also. I, I only mentioned that because you mentioned best movies. The Coen Brothers' first movie they did might be considered top three for me for them um it's called miller's crossing it's an old school gangster movie believe it or not coen brothers did that it takes place in like the 40s and it's you know irish mix against the italian wops uh very much so there are some iconic what's his name albert the albert Finney. Albert Finney. 
Wow. He's Leo. He's not a Mick. Um, Albert Finney was head of the of the of the Irish. Um, it was Irish against the Italians. Gabriel Byrne played the guy that was playing both sides. Marcia Gay Harden is the Marcia Gay Harden is the femme fatale. Um, John, John Turturro plays the best the, character in the entire the Jewish movie. con artist in the movie. Um, <laughs> Dude, Miller's Crossing is if you're a fan of like, oh John Polito who plays Casper. John Polito. Wow. If you're a He's fan, the head of the Italian... And I think this movie still is a cult classic. Even though it got pub at the time, I guarantee you most of you out there have never watched Miller's Nobody Crossing. Nobody saw it. If you're a fan of Breaking Bad, if you're a fan of uh, fucking Goodfellas, if you're a fan of really anxiety-driven, whodunit, gangster, who's Ooh. gonna die, Miller's Crossing might have done it as well as it could be done at the time. I remember watching this and putting it in league with like Usual Suspects and it's of that ilk and I consider Usual Suspects one of the top five gangster films of all time this is up there this is so powerful the costuming the lighting the cinematography the language acting the language they nailed every aspect of being in this era so watch that Coen Brothers, I know, you know, uh, fucking really, Lebowski, No Country. I get I'm just it. so happy you brought it up. It's not their first film. Oh, I thought it was their first film. No, their first film was actually called Blood Simple. Blood Simple. Sorry. Francis, Francis I always Dormant. forget about that. <clears throat> yeah, a, yeah, you're that right. That was a classic uh, neo-noir. Right. With no, uh, no, no, Francis no. McDormand. You're 100% right. Who's and then I later Raising came... Arizona was next, then Miller's Crossing. Oh, Raising Arizona. Yeah. Never mind. But, Talk about cult classic, Raising way, Arizona. Bringing that up was such a fucking mitzvah, dude, because I think Miller's Crossing... He went Crossing, full Jew on me. Miller's Crossing is one of the greatest fucking movies ever made. I don't think people have seen it. It's it's one of the best gangster movies ever made because it has it, literally it has it all. By far. It has it all. Also, going back to an earlier conversation, guess who has a cameo in that movie? Sam Raimi. Is Sam Raimi. In the standoff scene where the cops and the right. He walks up. He's the cop that walks up. Right. And gets his ass lit up. <laughs> they, the Coen brothers, as well as Barry Sonnenfeld, who went on to do like the Adams Family, Men in Black. Right, 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 right. They all worked on the Evil Dead. So they're all pro. They're they protégés. Worked on the Evil they're Dead. They're protégés, kind of. Isn't that crazy? That's hey, the tree of art. Right. Has roots it's everywhere. Insane. Um, what would you like to bring up as kind of a capper or something that you think needs uh, honorable mentions? Ooh, um, there's a few for me. We talked about most of the big ones. Okay, because like Akira is not a cult classic for me because anybody who's ever watched anime that set off everything. So here's the reason I brought that up. Yeah, as a cult classic. Akira. Or or Akira. Akira. If you guys, Akira. Akira was brought up to me. That is a movie that when I was a kid, and that fucked me up as a kid. I don't know if you experienced this, but you couldn't really find it. You had to know a guy that in your guy. town yeah. that fucking had it. was it. a little bit more accessible. I was in LA at the time. You were in fucking. I was in Bumfuck, so Broomfield like, or something. Yeah, so we um, would literally, like, we knew a guy that had it. So you had to go over his house. He'd go to his house right. to watch this fucking There movie. was some of that. Like, when I used to have Master of the Flying Guillotine or One Arm Boxer, yeah. my dad would, like, find it on 
on VHS and then everybody come over to my house to watch it. So it was right. cool. But that's become ubiquitous to the point where Jordan Peele in Nope ripped off a scene from Akira and put it into the movie. The, the famous motorcycle slide yep. is from Akira. But let's go over real quick hit list. We've got The Room. Tommy Wiseau, which we're putting here as a lark because it's known universally as the worst movie of all time. Yeah, it kind of overtook Plan 9 from Outer Space. Right. It's the worst movie ever made. It's the worst modern movie definitely ever made. And he's been riding the coattails of his own failure ever since. Yeah. Let's and, be honest. And he's like uh, really embraced it in a weird way. When they did the disaster artist with the Francos. Yeah. And, uh, great movie, by the way. And, and it really was I thought a it was movie. a great movie. Who's the younger Franco brother? Uh, David um, Franco? Not, is it David? Jim Franco? I don't know. Whatever don't his know. name is. That other Franco. <laughs> Phil um, Franco? But he's the one that's, uh, he's married to, uh, he's married to Allison Brie. Yeah. Um, but he just released the movie with her. They're collaborating or whatever. But he was talking about. That never works out well. Like, Tommy Wiseau literally was part of ended up being a part of them producing that movie. He went to the fucking premiere with them. Right. He fucking gained all the So, pub. Bobby, what you don't know is I used to drive up and down Crescent Heights living in L.A. for years, and I used to see that motherfucker's billboard, and we would have conversations in rooms with friends. I'd be at a party. I'd be at a fucking thing, and we'd be like, what is this movie? And yeah. nobody knew what it was. Yeah. And it became this, like... It, it was this thing that existed but didn't exist. We never saw it. We never knew where it was. Yeah. We just saw billboards in LA. They spent a lot of money to put billboards on a major thoroughfare. They had billboards in Sunset, Crescent Heights. These are like big thoroughfares yeah. in LA. Well, he could afford it. And he then when Disaster Artist came out, all the dots connected for me. Yeah, <laughs> I've been right? looking at his billboards for 20 years. That's amazing. It was amazing. But go watch some of the movies we've talked yeah, about. I got one more. Give me one more one before more. I piss my pants. Because I'm right there with you. Okay. We have to go 1099. Yeah. And probably, you know, smoke a, smoke a dart real quick. Get a dart. Um, <laughs> Ridley Scott's Blade Runner was a movie that failed miserably. Yeah. Which weirdly came on the the heels of Star Wars success for Harrison Ford, but no one really went to that movie in the beginning. Or loved that movie. So it was, that's, it was a cult classic. So it became um, again an underground VHS hit. Yep. It was us trading VHS tapes to each other yeah. to watch Blade Runner and Burns which and now copies has and... become video games, sequels, dude. Fucking, it's, it, it's become the progenitor of everything happening after fucking Blade Runner. Yeah, it set a tone. It did sci-fi noir. Yeah, it created a genre. Hundred percent, straight up. Yeah, now there's series being planned. Oh, and you know what I, I mean? I, yeah. So I think that. Let's end. Needs to be brought up. Let's as, end on Blade Runner. Yeah. All we're, right. We're done. We're going to go pee. Right. Okay. We should pee. You guys should go pee too. You I'm, should pee too. Yeah. Go pee. And if you're not peeing, go drink some water, dude. Yeah. Get things. Hydrate. hydrate. Just hydrate. Come on. I love you. I saw your lips earlier. They're <laughs> cracky. They're crusty. Crusty lip, McGee. <laughs>
The dub CU, bro. Here we go. It's time for us to start bitching about things. Yes! 970-426-5344 is the place to get a hold of us. Bad Marvel. <laughs> More to come. More to, More to come. 970-426-5344. Leave us a text or a voicemail. You can email us at whiskeyrilla@gmail.com. Leave us an erotic message. Ooh. I want, I want an erotic message from a listener. Right now. Yeah. Do Ry- it. Ryan. Do it. I'm talking to Do you. It. Yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Kyleen. Uh, <laughs> Leave an erotic. <laughs> I think Kyleen has moved on from us. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. She's got bigger and better pants. things to deal with. I love watching her be happy. It's so great. It is great. She's a sweet really mama. Um, we're going to make this pretty quick, but uh, we got to talk about a couple of films that we both have recently seen. I went last night with a couple of buddies who slept through this entire movie. Whoa. Yep. True story. Um, the I went, Tigamajig? I went with Tig and Scotty B. Oh, And boy. I listened to them snore. And you left mushrooms at home. I left my mushrooms at home bad or I would have been a whole lot happier about bad everything. Bad move. This was a bad movie. Ant-Man Quantum Mania. Yeah. <laughs> Quantum that's Mania. That's, that's what it's called. That's what it's called. Um, might be my least favorite Marvel movie. Of all time. Of all time. Okay. And I know, I get it, Dark World happened. Um, <laughs> but that... Edward Norton, Incredible Hulk thing happened. Like, there's some, there's been some bad movies. That wasn't part of the MCU, though. It, it was. Time. It was actually technically the first one. Yeah, Ew, gross. It's so bad. Okay. Um, Talk to me, guys. How do I explain how bad this movie is? I'll make it very, very brief. It is a placeholder of a film. It does nothing except set up what is going to be this this oncoming phase of Marvel, okay. which is the King Dynasty's phase. Who's played by one of my favorite actors of the last five years. Well, he is the guy. Jonathan Majors is... I'm going to call him New Denzel. Yeah. He's, he's that good. He's that good. He's that good. Um, this character first appeared in the Loki uh, Disney Plus miniseries, yeah. which... I thought it was pretty fucking great. It was great. And his character, King the Conqueror, who is a character that lives outside of time and space dim- dimension. Yeah. And um, there are... Kind of like you. Kind of. You live outside of time and space. I think so. Sort of. Um, <laughs> he's, he's such an amazing actor. He delivers on this character. He adds a, a depth and nuance to this character that is very necessary because it's not an easy character to wrap your head around. No, it's a weird one. You know, King is this guy that exists in multiple, multiple, um, endless timelines. This freaking guy. You know what I mean? And it, it, he's a very formidable um, adversary for the uh, Earth's greatest heroes. Yeah, because you had Thanos, which was the main baddie. In yeah. the last phase, who is going to go down in time as being an all-timer, right? Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl baddie. King is different. He is a little bit more human. 
Yeah. But he is Albert Einstein that it can exist in between dimensions. Yeah. He's very formidable. And he's seen everything that's already going to happen. Yeah, which makes it really hard Your to villain deal with him. Already knows the outcome. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. It's rough. It's hard. It's like the NFL. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, it's scripted. Not. Just it's like not the like the NFL. Um, but anyways, this movie is dumb as shit. <laughs> it's insultingly dumb? It's insultingly dumb. <laughs> it is so full of exposition and bad jokes. Ugh. And it wastes Rudd, Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, Bill Murray. Spoiler okay, alert! Fine, shows up. That's fine. It it, it wastes all of that for um, getting, spectacle. Getting to the next point. Getting to the next point. Right. They're, they try to kind of cultivate and craft this like Star Wars feel to it. Right. Uh, but it doesn't work. Um, all of the characters are paid very, very short thrift and don't really add anything to the project. So can I ask you something? Yes. Before we, Because I know you want to talk hate. Oh, I'm like, all about hate. forever. I'm all about hate. And I, I saw the trailer for this, and I, it looked to me like MCU's version of Fast and Furious. It just <laughs> looks so okay. disconjointed and explosions and hey look over there there's a blow up thing and there wasn't a lot of from what I could tell so I wasn't very excited about this movie and I'm glad you guys saw it first Sean Moe's seeing it as we speak and you saw it the day before so I knew I was going to get the real skinny on this my question to you is prior to this okay last few things Marvel has done and we're Marvel stands. You guys know that. We're sucking all the teats of Stanley. My thing is the last three things that have occurred are this Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. Thor. Not, not great. super. Right? Again, wasting a lot of talents. Christian less, Bale. Blah blah. The next thing they put out is Wakanda Forever. Fantastic. My argument is they've totally fucking rode the dick of Chadwick Boseman dying and also reconfigured it to be a little bit more socially relevant. Definitely. In my mind. So that was fine, but it's almost like an outlier. And then you get to this movie. So you've got Love and Thunder, Wakanda Forever, and then this. Would you say, how do you feel about the MCU now than you felt a year ago? I am fearful for the future of, of what's happening. Mm. I think I think right now I have to start to ask the question of uh, are they giving this the same consideration and care that the first couple of phases were given? Right. Which culminated in the Infinity War and, and some of the best shit we've ever seen. I mean some of the greatest genre filmmaking Honestly. ever. Honestly. And now it seems like no we're just we got a product. Let's put the product out there. and They'll watch it anyway. People are going to show the fuck up. They'll regardless. watch it anyway. My question to you is this. You're Bobby Feige. What do you, what do you choose to concentrate your efforts on? Because we just talked well, about it. We just talked about it. And I, I guess I'm a little confused because we very publicly... God, it's been now, what, three years? Yeah. Since Marvel officially acquired Fox. Yeah. 
and you have properties like Fantastic Four and X Men and <laughs> Doctor Doom mm. and Silver Surfer. <gasps> There's so many amazing opportunities that you have right now that. I guess what it comes down to, in my mind, the excuse is that, well, we have Paul Rudd under contract. <laughs> we have fucking, you know what I, right, and no, I mean? Right, I, I mean you. that. I hear you. We I have Hemsworth you. for one more movie. We I gotta fucking make him a movie. Let's go. You know what I mean? And it's like, so instead, do you think they're being lazy? I yes. Okay. Yeah. Because it feels that way. The Spider-Man thing was great. Um, the yeah, dude. Spider-Man. I liked. I liked that. It was a great. Lot. I, I really liked, liked the lot. Doctor Strange movie. I thought it was fun. I thought it was. It, it, Rex hated it because she does didn't watch the one before that. Yeah, yeah, not a good idea. Sure, <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah, yeah, like what is happening? What the fuck literally is happening? So yeah, um, I, I, I could not have been more disappointed in this movie. Okay, I'll put it that way. We'll leave it there. Correct. Correct. I got something that I saw last week which is another um, person that creates universes whether you hate him or you like him I don't hate him as much as other people because I think there is value in a lot of his work even though people hate I'm going to put one movie to the side that I think was such utter trash I won't even mention it the happening I saw Knock at the Cabin um by Shamalim and Ding Dong. Manite. Manite. Manite Shyamalan. Manite. Um, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's new movie. He goes no. by nine. But whatever. I don't have time. He does. So either, either or. Um, what about this movie? Um, everybody's going into this. I thought some of his movies that he's released over the last 10 years were better than other people thought. I haven't been such a banger on what he's done and so de- fucking um, divisive about like his filmmaking because people really, it's a love or hate thing with this guy. They get it. They don't get it. And it's not even a get anything. They don't enjoy it. I totally understand. I will say from my perspective, this is the best work he's done in a hot minute servant aside he has a he has a, a tv series that he's been doing oh servant on, yeah uh, on apple yeah. or some sh- paramount plus or some shit that is really cool it's a departure he gets to dig his heels in and do some really fun stuff by movie making um standards this is it feels like he matured as a filmmaker and I only say that because, A, the acting and the actors that he chose to do it, the casting in it was fucking amazing. Every single person in this movie was good. No bullshit. Uh, Batista is in it. Dave Batista, who was in the aforementioned Blade Runner 2049. He was in... Um, Guardians. Guardians. Obviously. He's Thrax. What? Thrax? Drax. Drax. Sorry. I, I'm sorry, Drax, for mispronouncing your name, um, has turned into a, quite a little actor. And he is almost like co-lead in this. He does a f- tremendous job. One of There's a gay couple with an adopted daughter. That's kind of the protagonist in the film. One of the guys was the king 
from Ham, uh, Hamilton, which if you're a theater dork, you like that guy because he was fucking great. But a <laughs> lot of great actors in this. And the one thing will, it might not be everybody's film, but it may be more people's film than most Shyamalan movies get into. And I say that only because what is M. Night known for? Six Sense. No. Split. From a from oh, a twist. A twist. Yeah. This doesn't have a twist. It's straightforward. Okay. It which is a fucking comfort as a film watcher. Yeah. You expect a twist because of his reputation, and he finally just did the story. Right? He yeah. didn't add his own fucking dick dragon in it. He didn't have to fucking twist it just to twist it. He just told the story. Okay. I like that. And I really, really appreciate that. And between the acting, uh, the small little bit of um, cinematography that was involved, how they did what they did, this is a buy. I'm telling you, go okay. see this movie. It is um, emotional, insightful. Um, it, it's not a world changer of a movie, but I'd love to see M. Night really start to become a full-spectrum filmmaker instead of being the quirky guy with the twist at the end. That's not what this movie is. It's real actors doing real acting with a real story with an actual ending. Yeah. And thank you for making like the that. film. And it was great. And it was uh, emotional, very emotional, and which he doesn't do that a lot. Sure. Um, good on you, M. Night. I, this movie was fucking good, dude. I like it. It was good. Well, buddy. It's that, Is it that time. It's about that time. To do the clutching. I'm just going to make mine stop. Of the pearls. It is time. <laughs> it is time. <laughs> I know you hate it so much. (laughs) Mine is super simple. I'll let you close it out because, you know, it's always Aaron cry hour on (laughs) Clutcher Pearls. I'm just going to go back to the Marvel thing, man. Yeah. Fuck Ant-Man. Don't even watch it. You don't need it. Do yourself a favor. Fire up your Disney Plus and watch Loki. Watch the Loki TV series. Yeah. And it was you will good. see King the Conqueror explain himself and provide Perfectly. all the exposition that you're going to need <laughs> for Ant-Man going forward. <laughs> Do not watch Ant-Man. Uh, I know. I'm going to watch we it. We cannot encourage them, sir. I know. I'm going to watch it streaming. It'll be fine. I will pirate it to you so that you're not. It's fine. We need to give him no comfort. I, <laughs> no quarter. No quarter. <laughs> um, oh, it's so bad. Marvel, you have all the properties in the world. Use them. Use them. The you X-Men have all the cool. money in the world. The X-Men are cool. I don't know if you noticed. Dude, People seem to like them. X-Men might be the best Marvel property. Yeah. Just saying. I think so. Mine is, we're old as fuck. And I'm speaking as a we, as the royal we. We are all probably listening to this podcast. Hopefully we get some of you young whippersnappers up in here. But we're old men. And I've discovered, working a new job that I've worked, I've discovered that 
I have to be more of a consigliere than I have to be the boss. I have to be the person that helps the person now in my career. And that's not because I can't be the person. It's because I think I would be much more valuable as being Robert Duvall than I would be being Al Pacino for you Godfather fans out there. So what I would say is, as you're getting into your age, we all want to be the boss because we know we can. But how cool is it to teach somebody how to be the boss? That's passing the torch. That's being pertinent. That's being relevant. That's being ideal, in my opinion, going where I'm going now, is to teach others what I know and lead them and help direct them in the right positions at the right time as being the boss instead of being the boss. Be a mentor. Be somebody other people can ask for help. Nice. That is getting old. That is getting wise, is being help to others. I like that. Yeah, man. I got a new nickname for you. What's that? Consiliering. 